Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, beloved, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all, listen. It is raining cats and dogs out here in Texas today. So I pray, let me take a look. I pray that the power does not go out. When I say it is raining this morning, it is raining. So, What does it mean to walk in the spirit? Because that's the question on the floor today. So before we get started, let us pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we come to you today. We give you thanks. Thank you for our many blessings. Thank you that you always provide a way for us to exist even in this evil generation. Thank you for all of your provision. Father, most of all, thank you for sending the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. As Christ Jesus, who is our high priest, In his prayer in John 17, starting at verse 13, he prayed to you. But now I am coming to you and I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may experience my joy made full and complete and perfect within them, filling their hearts with my delight. I have given them to I have given to them your word, the message you gave me, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world and do not belong to the world, just as I am not of the world and do not belong to it. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, 
but that you keep them and protect them from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart for your purposes. Make them holy. Your word is truth. Just as you commissioned and sent me into the world, I also have commissioned and sent them, believers, into the world. Verse 19, for their sake, I sanctify myself to do your will so that they also may be sanctified, set apart, dedicated, made holy in your truth. Amen. And Father, also, Lord Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these in extent and outreach. Because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. As my representative, this I will do so that the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, as my representative, I will do it. If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. Amen. And Father, you show us the role of the Holy Spirit in verse 16. Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. Amen. Jesus says in verse 18, of John 14. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, bereaved, and helpless. I will come back to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. On that day, when that time comes, you will know for yourselves that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The person, verse 21, who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. 
And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and reveal myself to him. I will make myself real to him. Judas, not Iscariot, asked him, Lord, what has happened that you are going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, If anyone really loves me, he will keep my word, my teaching, and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. One who does not really loves me does not keep my words. And the word, my teaching, which you hear is not mine, but is the father's who sent me. Amen. Verse 25. I have told you these things while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. Amen. And he will help you. Remember everything that I have told you. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. You heard me tell you I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you really loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going back to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does take place, you may believe and have faith in me. Amen. Verse 30. I will not speak with you much longer for the ruler of the world, Satan, is coming. He has no claim on me, no power over me, nor anything that he can use against me, but so that the world may know without any doubt that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father has commanded me, and act in full agreement with him. Get up, let us go from here. Amen. So, Father, again, thank you for sending Holy Spirit. We need him. We need him as we walk out this wonderful sanctification so that we can be of good use to you, Father, being trained, being taught how to be holy, how to pray, how 
to understand and apply your word to our lives. I can't say it enough, Father, just how grateful and satisfied we are that we are being saved. Thank you for all that you do. We give you praise. We give you honor today. We serve no other God but the one true living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who sent the promised Messiah to save his people from their sins. Thank you, Father, that as Gentiles, we too can come into this new covenant that Christ Jesus ratified with his blood. Show us, teach us, train us the way to go. We long to please you, Father. We put away all that this world had to offer us. We crucify this flesh daily as we pick up our cross and follow the one who went to the cross, laid down his life, shed his blood so that we can be reconciled back to you. Father, salvation comes through repentance. Thank you for the gift of repentance, faith, grace, love. Hallowed be thy holy name, Father. Bless you both now and in the life to come. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Listen, we got a lot to get to today. I believe the rain has calmed down a bit. Listen, let me drink this hot tea. Mm. Listen, what does it mean to walk in the spirit? Because we hear that a lot. But are we really, do we really have a complete understanding of what it means to walk in the spirit? Because by doing so, we won't gratify the flesh. And this is where we have confrontation, sadly, in the body of Christ, because some who claim the name of Jesus, they will tell you it is impossible to live a life without sinning. Meaning, again, not that we won't miss it, but let those times be few and far in between. They say it basically is impossible to be holy, to actually live a lifestyle of righteousness. For them, that's impossible. Ain't no way that we could, that we can live in this flesh body that is still prone to sin, is still desires, lust, and the fact that we live in this world who is ran by Satan and all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. And you mean to tell me, so they say, we can actually live without 
sinning? We say to them, look, listen, okay, stop it. We are called to be holy. We just read that the Lord Jesus Christ will send and have sent Holy Spirit to help us in this walk. Your problem is that you think you got to do this in your own strength. You didn't get the memo. We have Holy Spirit. He is not an it. He is not an experience. He is a person that has a personality that we can actually grieve him. So he is not a thing. He is not an event. <clears throat> he, he is not someone that possesses you where you just run up and down and around the church like a maniac. Talking about, oh, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. And then you're acting like a, we've seen them jerking and bucking and screaming and howling. That's not Holy Spirit. That's a demonic spirit. That's the Kundalini spirit. Listen, one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. He is not going to have you running and jumping and barking and yelling and just fa flailing, knocking everybody in the head because you have no control. So we need to find out what does it mean to walk in the spirit? Because as born again children, we have the indwelling Spirit of Christ, the Comforter, who proceeds from the Father. We see in John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Amen. Listen. The Holy Spirit assists us in prayer. Oh, yes and yes. Look, Jude one twenty. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And not only that, Holy Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Romans 8:27 And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Amen. So just from that little bit alone we see how important holy spirit is to us. Amen. Listen, he also leads us into righteousness. Galatians 5, 16 to 18. This is all about keep keeping in step with the spirit. Paul says, 
But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But verse 18, if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Amen. Beloved, we are to submit to the will of God and walk in the spirit. Listen, not only that, but Holy Spirit produces his fruit in us that are yielded to him. And what are the fruit fruits of the spirit? Well, Paul tells us in Galatians 5. 22 to 23, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Amen. So again, we are to submit to the will of God and walk in the spirit. Listen, a walk in the spirit is a metaphor for practical daily living. Our life, this walk with Christ is a journey and we are to walk it. We are to make consistent forward progress. Mm hmm. The biblical norm for all believers is that we walk in the spirit. Galatians 5.25 If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Amen. And the cross reference to that is Romans 8.14 For all who are led by the Spirit of God, are sons of God. Amen. Beloved, in other words, the Spirit gave us life in the new birth. We see this in John 3, 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And beloved, we must continue to live day by day in the spirit because by doing so, we won't gratify this flesh. The Holy Spirit trains us and directs us to not make any provision for the flesh. So it just stands to reason. That if our lives are characterized by sin, sin, then we are not walking in the spirit. And then the question now becomes, 
Are you in fact truly born again? We know we may struggle with something, right? But if we continue to buckle down, settle down, calm yourselves down, and allow Holy Spirit to guide you into righteousness, the appeal, the hunger, the appetite to sin will diminish. You want to know why? I'm a witness. Listen, once you yield, and I mean like totally surrender, not part-time Christianity. No, I'm talking about full-time. You are in this thing for the long haul, all the way until the bitter end, as it were. When you fully submit yourself to Holy Spirit, he starts to direct your attention to Christ. How he died, why he died, how we are no longer slaves to sin. And he just starts to open up the scriptures to righteousness, to holiness, pleasing the father, wanting, longing to please the father, wanting to do good. It's like, right, Holy Spirit. He changes your focus completely. He takes it off self and put it onto Christ. Christ's mind <clears throat> is on his harvest, saving lost souls from the coming of God's wrath, reconciling us back to the Father. And not only that, to open up the eyes of the religious one who honestly made a confession for Christ. They truly love Jesus. The problem is they are stuck up in these apostate churches where these wolves, these apostates teach as doctrine their twisted heretical commandments and false doctrines. And so as we sat up underneath these unbiblical denominations, because that's nowhere in the Bible and Lord willing, another lesson is coming soon about that madness. The fact that we are sitting up under false teachings, we get confused. We don't know if we should be in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Do we follow the laws of Moses or we don't? Did Jesus really was the only begotten son of God? What makes him so special? Why is his birth so different? Did he really go to the cross? Did he really rise again? That's because all of these denominations teach a different Jesus. They have different beliefs and doctrines, but they say they are part of the body of Christ. And when you speak to some of these, they are all over the place with scripture. And the more we try to bring correction, they're like, no, no, no. My pastor said, that's the problem. You should be quoting what Jesus said. And so it is critical 
that we grieve not the spirit of Christ. So we're going to talk about that. So let me not get ahead of myself. Listen, to walk in the spirit means that we yield to his control. We follow his lead and we allow him to exert his his influence over us. To walk in the spirit is the opposite of resisting him or grieving him. We see in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Amen. Beloved, Galatians chapter 5 examines the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer. The context is freedom from the law of Moses. Galatians 5.1 says, for, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Amen. Listen, those who walk in the spirit eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. We see this in verse 5 of Galatians 5. And are free from the law. That's in verse 18. Also, those who walk in the spirit will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We see that in verse 16 of Galatians 5. Listen, the flesh, our fallen nature under the power of sin is in direct conflict with the spirit. We see this in verse 17 of Galatians 5. When the flesh is in charge, the results are obvious. And we see this in verses 19 to 21, where Paul was, where he listed the 17 works of the flesh. But when the spirit is in control, he produces godly qualities within us apart from the structure of the law of which beloved listen in Christ we are in a new covenant not to mention Gentiles were not given that old covenant to begin with and when these apostles wrote about the law don't forget they too were under the law and the the first century church a lot of them were ones who were under the law, but now they are in Christ Jesus. So a lot of, thank you, Holy Spirit, a lot of the references to the fact that we are not under the law anymore primarily was because the first century church had a lot of Jewish converts. They all their whole lives and generations past lived up under the law. And the apostles were cementing in their understanding that we are not under the law any longer. Our freedom is now in Christ Jesus. 
And so century, centuries later, where we see Peter and Paul, and I believe James and John mentions how we are not under law, I can only surmise that people assume that we were under the law, meaning that we must still be under the law. But the understanding is that, number one, we Gentiles were not given the law. And number two, don't get it twisted and do not be deceived. We are not under the law of Moses. In Christ, we have freedom. So even today, there is contention, there is confusion about whether or not we got to keep the law. No, at the end of the day, it is all about Christ. We are under the dispensation of grace. It was a game changer for the whole entire world when Christ went to the cross, died, was buried, and rose again three days. It so changed history that we keep the calendar differently. That's how much of a game changer it was. So whether or not we were as Gentiles given the law or not, now that Christ has went to the cross, we in Christ are not under the law. He gave us his law. And based on those two commands, he tells us that the whole law is summarized. It hangs on those two commandments. Because when we are loving God with our whole heart, souls, minds, and strength, we are not going to sin against him. We're not going to um, serve other gods false gods. We are not going to create any graven images. We're not going to take his name in vain. And when we, and when we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, we are not going to commit murder. We are not going to covet. We're not going to commit adultery with them. We, we are not going to be a false witness. And so by keeping those two commands, Jesus says all of the law, all 613 hangs on these two things. Because when we do those two things, well, by default, we fulfill the law. So, when the Spirit of Christ is in control, He produces godly qualities within us. Listen, believers have crucified the flesh. With its passions and desires. We see this in verse 24 of Galatians 5. And now we walk in the spirit. Galatians 25. So. Of Galatians 5. Right. Those who walk in the spirit are united with him. And are the bearers of the fruit the spirit produces. Those who walk in the spirit walk in love. They live in love for God and for their and for their fellow man. Those who walk in the spirit walk in joy. They exhibit gladness and what God has done is doing and will do. 
those who walk in in the spirit walk in peace. Their lives are not defined by worry and anxiety. Anxiety. Listen, Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Amen. Listen, those who walk in the spirit walk in patience. They are known for having a quote unquote long fuse. They do not lose their temper. They don't explode. They don't walk around in wrath. No matter what the situation is, they are long suffering. Mm -hmm. Those who walk, excuse me, those who walk in the spirit walk in kindness. They show tender concern for the needs of others. Those who walk in the spirit walk in goodness. Their actions reflect virtue and holiness. Those who walk in the spirit walk in faithfulness. They are steadfast in their trust of God and his word. Those who walk in the spirit walk in gentleness. Their lives are characterized by humility, grace, and thankfulness to God. Amen. Those who walk in the spirit walk in self-control. They display moderation, constraint, and the ability to say no to the flesh. Amen. Listen, those of us who walk in the spirit rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us in thought, word, and deed. Romans 6, 11 to 14. Let's read it. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its lust. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Amen. See, Paul is like, listen, that same energy that you put your flesh under for works of unrighteousness will keep that same energy and now use those same members as instruments for righteousness. We are not under the law. We are under grace. Amen. And so daily, we show forth moment by moment holiness. 
Just as Jesus did when full of the Holy Spirit, he left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Amen. We see this in Luke 4, 1. Amen. Beloved, to walk in the Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit. And some results of the Spirit's filling are thankfulness, singing, and joy. Study Ephesians 5, 18 to 20 and Colossians 3, 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Amen. That's what it looks like to walk in the spirit. Listen. We are, we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And the spirit uses the word of God for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Amen. We see this in 2 Timothy. Timothy 3.16, where it says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Amen. And this is why we stay in the word of God, because it trains us how to be holy and to live righteous, sensible, upright and godly lives. This is what his grace does for us. So our whole way of life is lived according to the rule of the gospel as the spirit moves us toward obedience. When we walk in the spirit, we find that the sinful appetites of the flesh have no more dominion over us. Please, beloved, please understand that so that we can no longer say it's impossible to live without willfully sinning. Because what you are saying is that Christ's death, burial, and resurrection didn't work for you. It was not all sufficient. Because you believe sin still reigns control. That's why you say it's impossible to stop sinning. For you, it probably is. Listen, this is not to condemn you. This is to wake you up. Listen, the hour is running out. Christ Jesus is on his way back. Y'all got to understand that. The fact that he is tarrying his coming is wonderful. But guess what? We are not going to live forever in these flesh bodies. One day, if he doesn't come back before then, we will all, all go by the way of the grave. Either way, we will stand before him to be judged. So real quick, let's talk about this flesh. 
Okay, because if it's not kept under control, none of us are going to see the kingdom of God. Listen, from Christ Jesus all the way down to his apostles, they tell us repeatedly, do not be deceived. Let no man lead you astray. Paul, the Lord Jesus, tells us clearly what sins will keep us out of the kingdom of God? We cannot be deceived. The unrighteous will not. They ain't getting into the kingdom. So what is the flesh? Listen, in the Greek, the word for flesh in the New Testament is a term that can often in scripture refer to the physical body. However, a Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament and other early Christian literature describes the word this way, the physical body as a functioning entity. In Paul's thought, especially all parts of the body constitute a a totality known as flesh, which is dominated by sin to such a degree that whatever whatever flesh is, all forms of sin are likewise present and no good thing can live. Mm -hmm. So the Bible makes it clear that humanity did not start out this way. The book of Genesis says that humankind was originally created good and perfect. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Amen. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Amen. We see this in Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Listen, because God is perfect and because an effect always represents its cause in essence, that is, a totally good God can only create good things. Or as Jesus said in Matthew seven eighteen, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Both Adam and Eve were created good and without sin. But when Adam and Eve sinned, their nature was corrupted, and that nature was passed along to their offspring. Genesis 5.3 says, When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. Amen. Beloved, the fact of the sin nature is taught in many places in scripture, right? Such as David's declaration in Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Amen. 
Now we know King David does not mean he was the product of an adulterous affair, but that his parents passed along a sin nature to him. Mm -hmm. So now the question becomes, how does the flesh manifest itself in us, in human beings? Well, the Bible answers the question this way. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, decisions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing and things like these of which I I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And again, we see this in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Amen. And so now we must understand the consequences of the flesh because the Bible says that living in the flesh produces a number of unfortunate consequences. First, scripture states that those who live according to the flesh and who never desire change or repent from their sinful behavior will experience separation from God both in this life and the life to come. Mm-hmm. Look, Romans 6.21, Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the sinful practices of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death, beloved. Amen. Look, Romans 8.13, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Amen. That's pretty clear to me. Galatians 6, 7 to 8. Do not be deceived. See, I told you Paul especially loved to shake us up. Wake yourselves up. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Amen. Listen, a person becomes a slave to his or her fleshly nature. Romans 6, 16. And this is why, if you all don't already know, why I love, 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 Romans chapter 6. It frees us from the mindset that we don't have any choice but to sin. You got to understand that you and I have been set free, free 
Do you know what free means? Because Jesus says that if the son has set you free, oh, you are free indeed. That means you can count on this. This is as good as gold. You can put your money in this bank because indeed you are free. He's telling you, I'm telling you, you are free. So, what we got here, Romans 6.16. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. Amen. Paul is asking a question. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, well, you are slaves of the one whom you obey. So if you obey sin and keep giving into it, then you are a slave to sin. But if you yield yourselves to being obedient, then you become a slave of obedience, which results in righteousness. Where on the other hand, being a slave to sin will always have always been and will continue to be that you will reap eternal destruction. So whom, whom do you want to be a slave to? Cause it's pretty, it's not rocket science. That's, that's the best way that I can say this. This is clear as crystal that if we continue to live a life sowing to this flesh, all of the works of the flesh, all of that filth and selfishness, because we want what we want it, want when we want it right now. And it don't matter what Jesus has to say, because he understands my heart. He knows I'm trying. No, you're not trying. Because see, trying means you resist sin. You resist the devil. You submit yourself to God. That's how you try, right? Holy Spirit, that's how one tries. You continue to smoke your weed and your cigarettes, watch your porn, masturbate into the porn. You don't know how to stop cursing. You are always um, angry, envious, and bitter. You are always gossiping. You stay being jealous. You have deceit in your heart. You, you always trying to outdo someone. Beloved, if we continue to live a life like that and you claim the name, you're not getting in. You are a slave still to unrighteousness because trying, as you say, well, I'm trying. Are you submitting yourself, yourself to God? And if there is anything we struggle in, are you even in prayer about it? Or just because you say, well, I'm trying and then you still stay in it. You ain't really trying to give it up. Listen, Jesus called us out. 
He said, they honor me with their lips, that mouth all day. Yeah, I'm a believer. He said, but that heart is far from him. He called us out. So you're not getting away with it. None of us are getting away with a life that is steeped in sin. We're not getting away with it. That's why. Paul says, do not be deceived because many of us are living in great deception. We deceive ourselves every day to believe that God is okay with willful sin, that he just loves us so much that we can live however we want to live and still get to go to heaven. Why? Because I believe in Jesus. Well, the devil believe. Demons believe in Jesus and they tremble because they have seen his wrath. We better wake up. Mm. We better wake up. So this slavery to sin always leads to a destructive lifestyle and it deteriorates our quality of living. Oh, yes, it does. You want to know how depression, stress, your emotions are all over the place. One day you're feeling fine. Next day you're not. You, you live off of happiness. The problem is happiness is temporary because once the situation or the circumstance change, happiness goes right out the window and you are right back to being angry, depressed, just feeling low every day. Whereas joy, perpetual joy, which is one of the fruits of Holy Spirit no matter what the situation, no matter who comes and goes out of your life, no matter if you have a job or not, no matter if your money is funny, if your health is failing, you still have joy. Why? Because you are born again and his spirit, the spirit of God, regenerated that dead spirit on the inside of you that no matter how this ship goes down we will not shrink back when we meet Jesus face to face because no matter what had happened we stand before him blameless why because through it all we walked with Holy Spirit allowing him no, no, not allowing, submitting ourselves to him to guide us, to navigate us. He is our paracletus. He walks alongside of us, training us, correcting us, rebuking us, getting us ready and prepared to meet the living God. So no, we don't grieve him. Amen. So let's find out since we talking about grieving Holy Spirit, what does it mean to grieve, to quench the Holy Spirit? Well, when the word quench is used in scripture, it is speaking of suppressing fire. 
when believers put on the shield of faith as part of their armor of God that we see over there in Ephesians 6, 6, 16, they are, we are extinguishing the power of the fiery darts from Satan. Christ Jesus described hell as a place where the fire will not be quenched. We see this in Mark 9:44. He said, "And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter to enter life crippled than than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire." Amen. And then we see in verse 40, verse 45 of Mark 9. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. Amen. And then in verse 48 of Mark 9, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Amen. Beloved, likewise, the Holy Spirit is a fire dwelling in each of us who believe in Jesus Christ. He wants to express himself in our actions and attitudes. When we do not allow the Spirit to be seen in our actions or we do what we know is wrong, we suppress or quench the spirit. First Thessalonians 5.19 tells us do not quench the spirit. Amen. Listen, we do not allow the spirit to reveal himself the way that he wants to when we continue to live a life of willful, deliberate, blatant sin. Listen, Holy Spirit is not going to fight with us. And no, he's not. Listen, to understand what it means to grieve the spirit, we, we must first understand that this indicates the spirit possesses personality. Beloved, I done already told you, Holy Spirit is a person. He is not an it a thing, some experience, some inanimate thing that just overwhelms a person and they just start bucking and shucking and jumping and howling and spinning around like a top. That's not Holy Spirit. I told you what it was, a demonic spirit. No doubt that Kundalini spirit. Don't, don't let none of these apostates and false prophetess and prophets suddenly lay hands on you, transferring onto you what's in them, that demonic spirit. No, beloved. In church, when you see someone just jumping up and shouting and fail, flailing their arms and they running up and down and around the whole sanctuary, that's not Holy Spirit. That person is not deep. Oh, look at, at Sister Janie. Oh, Holy Spirit just overtook her. Oh, she just so godly. No, Sister Janie may have a demonic, <clears throat> a demonic spirit. 
We just read one of the the fruits of Holy Spirit is self-control. He is not going to have any one of us jumping and yelling and barking and just being uncontrollable amongst one another. He ain't, no, he's not doing that. Listen, he has a personality. He's a person. Only a person can be grieved. Mm -hmm. Therefore, Holy Spirit must be a divine person in order to have this emotion. Because once we understand this, we can better understand how he is grieved. Mainly because we too are grieved. Listen, Ephesians chapter 4, right? And verse 30 tells us that we should not grieve the spirit. We grieve the spirit by living like the pagans. Up there in verses 17 to 19 of Ephesians 4 tells us this. How else we grieve Holy Spirit? Verse 25 of Ephesians 4, lying. We grieve Holy Spirit by being angry. We see this in verses 26 to 27 of Ephesians 4. We grieve Holy Spirit. No, no, no. Back that up. Back that up. We grieve him by lying. We see that in verse 25 of Ephesians 4. We grieve him by being angry in verses 26 to 27 of Ephesians 4. We grieve him by stealing. We see this in verse 28. We grieve Holy Spirit by cursing. We see this in verse 29. We grieve Holy Spirit by being bitter. We see this in verse 31. We grieve Holy Spirit by being unforgiving. We see this in verse 32. Listen, we are tapping into Ephesians chapter 4, okay? We grieve Holy Spirit by being sexual and moral. We see this in Ephesians 5 verses 3 to 5. Beloved, to grieve the Spirit is to act out in a sinful manner, whether it is in thought only or in both thought and deed. Listen. Both quenching and grieving the spirit are similar in their effects. Both hinder a godly lifestyle. Both happen when a believer sins against God and follows his or her own worldly desires. Mm -hmm. The only correct road to follow is the road that leads us closer to God and purity. And farther away from the world and sin, beloved. Listen, just as we do not like to be grieved, and just and just as we don't get it out, and just as we do not seek to quench what is good, so we should not grieve or quench Holy Spirit by by refusing to follow his leading. Yeah, I'm telling you, we got it twisted. So I'm going to let you go. But 
we must take a real quick look at, okay, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Because we got to know, we got to know. And, and again, because, because I've seen this personally a lot that goes on in these charismatic churches where all of that damnable prosperity gospel that once saved, always saved, false doctrine is being touted, all of that, all you got to do is believe in Jesus and everybody is acting out in emotions, just yelling and jumping and screaming and wailing as if Holy Spirit just done overtook them. And we are looking like, huh, they must be really close to God. No. That's a show. Listen, what is the role of Holy Spirit in our lives today? Because of all the gifts given to mankind by God, there is none greater than the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has many functions, roles, and activities. First, he does a work in the hearts of all people everywhere. Christ Jesus told the disciples that he would send the spirit into the world to convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and, and judgment. We see this in John 16, 8. Everyone has a God consciousness, whether or not they admit it. The Spirit applies God's truth to people's minds to convince them by fair and sufficient arguments that they are sinners. Responding to that conviction brings us to salvation through repentance. Amen. Now listen, once we are being saved and belong to God, the Spirit takes up residence in our hearts forever, sealing us with the confirming, certifying, and assuring pledge of our eternal state as His children. Amen. And beloved, this is why it is absolutely critical that we remain abiding in Jesus. Just because all of this goodness is taking place. It does not give us a license to sin. And this is where we have missed it. Listen, Christ Jesus said he will send the spirit to us to be our helper, comforter, and guide. Remember John 14, 6, I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Amen. The Greek word translated here, counselor, means one who is called alongside, paracletus, and has the idea of someone who encourages and exhorts, exhorts. The Holy Spirit takes up permanent residence in the hearts of believers. Romans 8, 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, okay, if in fact, 
The spirit of God dwells in you. Listen, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Amen. I love it how Paul just, he just hit us in the head with that. I got to read that again. Romans 8, 9. Listen, because this is the heart of the matter. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, <coughs> excuse me, if in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Amen. Point blank and with a period. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Paul is asking this question. You are not your own. Verse 20. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Amen. And then we have 1 Corinthians 12. 13, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Exactly one body. So all of these denominations, please don't get me started. For in one Christ, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Amen. Beloved, Jesus gave the spirit as a compensation, if you will, a compensation for his absence to perform the functions toward us, which he would have done if he had remained personally with us. Among those functions is that of revealer of truth, the spirit's presence within us enables us to understand and interpret God's word. Amen. Christ Jesus told his disciples that when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Amen. That's John 16, 13. He reveals to our minds the whole counsel of God as it relates to worship, doctrine, and Christian holy living. He is the ultimate guide, going before, leading the way, removing obstructions, opening the understanding, and making all things plain and clear. Beloved, this is true. I'm a witness. I keep saying that because I am a witness for Christ. I'm telling you, this is absolutely true. Listen, Holy Spirit leads in the way we should go in all spiritual things. Without such a guide, we will be apt to fall into error. Listen, a crucial part of the truth he reveals is that Jesus is who he said he is. Amen. Look, John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, 
whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Amen. Listen, Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He bear he bears witness to whom exactly he is. He is the son of the living God. He is God and Savior. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when we see people cursing God, his spirit is not in that person. And I don't care if they claim they are a quote unquote a Christian or not. If you are cursing God, you are not filled with his spirit because only one who is filled with his spirit can say Jesus is Lord. So the Holy Spirit convinces us of Christ's deity and incarnation, his being the Messiah, his suffering and death, his resurrection and ascension, his exaltation at the right hand of God and his role as the judge of all. He gives glory to Christ in all things. Amen. Listen, John 16, 14, and he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Amen. Listen, and then I'm gonna let y'all go. But listen to this. Another one of the Holy Spirit's roles is that of gift giver. First Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter 12 describes the spiritual gifts given to believers in order that we may function as the body of Christ on, on the earth. All these gifts, both great and small, are given by the Spirit so that we may be His ambassadors to the world, showing forth His grace and glorifying Him. Amen. Listen, the Spirit also functions as fruit producer in our lives. Mm -hmm. Because when he indwells us, he begins the work of harvesting his fruit in our lives. Again, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Mm -hmm. These are not works of our flesh, which is incapable of producing such fruit, but they are products of the Spirit's presence in our lives. Amen. Beloved, listen. The knowledge that the Holy Spirit of God has taken up residence in our lives, that he performs all these miraculous functions, that he dwells with us forever, and that he will never leave or nor forsake us is cause for great joy and comfort. 
Thank you, Father, for this precious gift, the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. Amen. Good, good news, beloved. So we are not in this alone. Holy Spirit, whom we love dearly, teaches us, guides us, produce his fruit in us to be worthy of this calling. We have been elected. We we have been predestined to do this. We are to call men to repentance. We are to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And we are commanded to go and sin not. That's it. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, how wonderful is it that we have your spirit. We love him and know we will not grieve him. We will not quench his fire in us. May that fire be ever blazing, stronger, greater. Father, what we want is to please you. We surrender all. We throw up our hands. We surrender. We surrender all to you, Father. Bless your holy name. Thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we are coming to know you better and better. Thank you that Holy Spirit illumines our minds so that we can be assured that as born-again children of God that remains faithful to Jesus and endure until the end, we shall be saved. We shall receive eternal life. We get to inherit your kingdom. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did not leave us as orphans. Thank you for all that you have done for us at the cross. We believe who you are. We believe whom you say who you are. We believe it without doubting it at all. We truly know who you are and we know who sent you. Yes, we do. And we are forever grateful. Keep us from falling. Keep us from going back to the vomit. Thank you for strengthening us. Thank you for Holy Spirit of whom I know for me, I will be on my way to eternal destruction. Show us how to daily walk by the Spirit. May we all put away all sin all the works of the flesh, and just buckle in, settle down, have faith. Where where is the faith these days? 
that through Christ, I can do all things who strengthen me. What happened to that? Where is that? Where is the walking by faith and not by sight? Because we seem to be walking by everything we see, what we feel, what's going on in the world. Where is the faith? Because for me, faith tells me I better walk that straight and narrow path because my God ain't playing with that lake of fire. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. May God's children walk in the truth and not quench the Holy Spirit. May we not grieve him, acknowledge him in our lives by our conduct, our thoughts, and deeds. For we know when Jesus returns, he will have his reward with him. And he will give to every last single person, both Jew and Gentile, what we deserve, what we've done while in this body. And if we are born again, our salvation will not be on the line. What will be on the line is the motivation, the the worthiness of what we have done in Christ will be tested by fire to see the true worth of it all. Bless you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for holiness, grace, love, mercy, repentance. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. All right, beloved. Well, there we have it. Another one in the can. Repent and believe. We better stop sinning. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Do not be deceived. Okay. God is not mocked. What we sow to this flesh from the flesh, we shall reap. Paul said it, don't be deceived. Bad company mm-hmm, corrupts good morals. Right, Holy Spirit. Listen, we can't be bad company to ourselves either. Come on now. If Holy Spirit is in us, why are we living like corrupt pagans? That's bad company. Listen, Holy Holy Spirit is not going to strive with us. You understand that? He's not. That's why David prayed, don't take your spirit from me. Listen, I'm going to let you go. But listen, because we got to understand some stuff real quick. Do you not know God will turn you over to be a reprobate? He, (laughs) He will put you away. We keep defying his clear directions and commandments delving into lust lasciviousness crime corruption deception homosexuality we keep doing all of that yeah he will turn you over to it you want it so bad okay here you go 
you don't want that. Mm-mm. Because people love to say, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. If you don't shut your foolish mouth, you don't want God to judge you. Don't be foolish and being all snarky. You, you, you can't judge me. Only God can. Okay. Okay. You don't want the judgment of God because he said that you will lie down in a place of pain, Miss Missy. All right, folks, listen, Lord willing, until next time, I shall be talking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.